This sermon is titled The Divine Exchange Tetelestai It is finished Part 2 Be enriched as you listen All right time to get into God's word and then we're going to pray together So last Sunday we started talking about the divine exchange bringing our attention to what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me when he stepped into our place to become what we were so that he could bring us into what he had the divine exchange and uh, we're going to take the, just quickly review the six points we appointed uh, to last sunday and take this forward uh, to a few more insights given to us in scripture so just to quickly review last sunday we mentioned we have eternal life through his death we are forgiven through him being made guilty we have become righteous through him being made sin we are blessed through him being cursed we are favored through him being condemned we are adopted through him being rejected so we covered these last sunday we're going to do uh six more don't worry we'll go through them quickly uh six more aspects of the divine exchange and some of these are familiar to us but it's good to keep reminded of these things number 7 we are healed through his stripes or his wounds you see god never designed this world to have sickness you go back in the garden of eden everything was perfect everything was good sickness was part, not part of god's original design but then sickness came in because of sin and the bible teaches us if you look in uh, romans the 8th chapter it teaches us that everything was subject to corruption that means everything went into a state of corruption corruption simply means a deviation from its original design that's corruption everything was subject to corruption because of sin things began to deviate god never designed or god never intended all these physical and mental problems we face they are a result of the fall because of sin and part of it is because there is everything is in a state of corruption it's going away from god's original design in addition to that we mess things up you know we do things that are hurtful to our own bodies and minds and so that adds to the complexity of the situation and to make matters worse there is a devil who afflicts people with sickness and disease the bible talks about spirits of infirmity that means there are evil spirits actually troubling people in body and mind causing these problems so when we look at the problems we face physically we know what all started because of sin but because of sin and the fall there is corruption a deviation from god's original design there is our own are uh, you know mishandling of our own bodies and minds that cause problems and there is also the work of demonic spirits that are hurting us in our body and minds so we've got some serious problems but this is where the lord jesus stepped in and we are familiar with isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 and 5 the prophet isaiah speaking about the cross he says surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and you study that in the hebrew the word griefs really means sickness the word sorrows really means pains so what isaiah is saying is on the cross surely he bore our sickness and carried our pains so when you and i face sickness and pain in our body our immediate thought must be Jesus Christ bore this on the cross. And logically there's no point in two people having to bear it. If he bore it, it means you do and I don't need to bear it. Amen. So that's how we look at sickness and disease. God is not the author of sickness and disease. He didn't design it in the garden of heaven and there's none of it in heaven. 
in the Garden of Eden, and there's none of it in heaven. He's not the author. It came after the fall. But on the cross, Jesus stepped in. He took our sickness. He took our disease. The gospel writer Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, the Bible records this. In verse 16, it tells us, you know, on that particular occasion, people bringing all those who were sick and demon-possessed, and they brought them to Jesus, and He cast out the spirits with a word, and He healed all who were sick, so that, verse 18, it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophet Isaiah, surely He has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases or infirmities. Surely He has borne that. Amen? So we must be convinced. On the cross, Jesus took my sicknesses, my diseases, whatever you, sickness and disease you face, you look at the cross. Jesus, you bore it there. And the, and the, and, and the apostle Peter in 1 Peter 2.24 he looks back at the cross and he says, by his stripes, by his wounds, we were healed. It's done. We were healed. So as a person who believes in Jesus Christ, here's the provision of the divine exchange. Jesus stepped into our place of sickness and pain. What we were supposed to bear because of sin and the fall and all of that. He stepped into our place. He took upon Himself our sickness, our disease, our pain. And by the wounds He bore, healing has been given to you. So let's say this together. By His stripes, I have been healed. Let's say it again. Sometimes we need to repeat it for us to believe it. By His stripes... I have been healed. Every cell in my body has been healed by the wounds He bore. Amen? Because healing has been provided for, to, uh, for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we believe that. And it's on that basis that we can pray and ask for healing. Go, Lord, if there's a sick person, the, on the basis of the cross, we pray. You see, we believe that on the cross, Jesus bore our sins. So when a, a sinner comes and says, can Jesus forgive my sins? We don't say, well, I'll pray about it and I'll get back to you. No. We, immediately we say, yes. Jesus bore your sins. So if you believe in Him, your sins will be forgiven. We don't pause. We don't wait. Now, we should do the same thing when it comes to sickness and disease. Jesus bore our sicknesses and our diseases. And so by His wounds, we were healed. So let's pray and say, God, we ask for this thing to be healed. We ask for this disease to be removed. We ask for this pain to go. Because on the cross, healing was provided for us. Number eight, on that same cross... He, we, were, we are made whole through His punishment. So in this sin-sick, sin-stricken world, as we journey through life and go through all of life situations, we get hurt. I'm talking about our inner person. Emotionally, we are hurt. We face pain emotionally. We again point back and say, this is a, because of sin. And in this world, we are hurt because of these things. So people are hurt. There is a pain on the inside. They're brokenhearted for whatever different situations, different circumstances have crushed us. And Jesus stepped in to that. When He came, He said, I've come to heal the broken hearted. How did he do it? He was broken. He faced that. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, Isaiah says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement 
for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Look at that part of that verse where it says, the punishment for our peace was upon him. Or the punishment that brings us peace, he bore. He bore that punishment that brings us peace. His punishment brings us peace. The word peace in the Hebrew is shalom, which is wholeness. It has to do with the wholeness in every part of life. So the punishment he bore brings us wholeness. And so we are made whole through his suffering. So let's say this together. I am made whole through his punishment. So what has life brought on you? In what ways do you think or you feel you're broken, you're wounded, hurt? There is wholeness for you and me through the cross. Jesus stepped into that. He took upon himself that pain, that punishment, so that he could release wholeness to you and me. That's why we say there is emotional healing. There is healing for our inner person through the cross. Because the punishment he bore gives us shalom, wholeness. Amen? Number eight. Number nine, sorry. There is glory through him being put to shame. And again, because of sin, we have been brought into a place of shame, of disgrace. Perhaps the story of the prodigal son illustrates this. The prodigal son, he takes what is his, he goes away to a far country and he spends it all. And he finds himself in a place where he has to feed the pigs. To the point where he has to eat the food that he's giving to the pigs. Think about it. Here was a man who had everything and now he's lost it all. He's so, so disgraced, humiliated, shamed. That was his position. And that depicts the kind of place you and I found ourselves in because of sin. But the Lord Jesus on the cross, on the place of divine exchange, steps into our shame. He was humiliated, spat upon, mocked. This was the king of glory whom angels in heaven worship. And he stepped into a place where man spit upon him, mocked him, humiliated him. He stepped into our shame and our disgrace and our humiliation. And so Peter writes in Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So he endured the cross in spite of the shame. He took the shame for you and me. And for our shame, he now offers us glory. Once again, going back to the story of the prodigal son, when that son repented, and when he made his way back to his father's house, the father welcomed him. The father didn't humiliate him. The father said, let's bring out the best robe. Let's celebrate this son. Let's put a ring on his finger. He is my son. And that's exactly what Almighty God did for you and me. When we turned back to him in repentance and came to Jesus, the Bible says he took us and he made us his own sons and daughters. And not just sons and daughters. God Almighty said, you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. Romans chapter 8. For our shame, he gave us glory. He made us his sons and daughters. He made us heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So that today, you and I need not hold our head down, ashamed of ourselves. But like the psalmist, we can say, He is my glory and the lifter up of my head. I can hold my head up high because of what God has done in my life. 
He turns, he gives us beauty for our ashes. He takes off our sackcloth. He clothes us with gladness. He gives us joy for our mourning. He turns our night into day. This is our God. He gives us glory for our shame. And it's made available to you through the cross where divine exchange took place. Number 10. Again, because of sin, we were put into a place of subjection to Satan. You see, when God created Adam and Eve, He created them for dominion. Man was designed for dominion. You are designed for dominion. But when we sinned, when Adam sinned, he sold himself to the devil. He forfeited his authority and dominion on the earth. He handed it off to Satan so that Satan could say, all this has was been given to me in Luke 4. And then Satan is called the God of this world, the prince of this earth, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this earth. He, he, he got the dominion that was originally given to Adam. And Adam and the rest of us, we became subject to Satan. Oppressed, afflicted by this enemy. And think about this. Almighty God, the King of glory, would step into our place. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, that though he was in the form of God, Yet he did not hold on to that. But he humbled himself. And he became a bond servant. He so humbled himself. He became a servant. You and I were slaves. You and I were in bondage. And Jesus stepped into that. Why did he do it? So that he could bring us out of that. And on the cross, the Bible says, in the place of his greatest, lowest humiliation, where he was subjected to everything, he was afflicted. On that place, the Bible says, he achieved the greatest victory ever known to man. On that cross, he disarmed principalities and powers. Through his death, he destroyed the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. Can you imagine that in his death, he won his greatest triumph. He destroyed the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. He disarmed principalities and powers. And Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, he turned around and he divides his spoil with you and me. He says, come, Enjoy my victory. Amen. So, the Lord Jesus, in that divine exchange on the cross, through His servanthood, He puts us in a place of dominion. In Romans 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul writes, you know, by one man's offense, death came. And death passed on everyone. It subjected all, all of us to death, to sin, Satan, and death. But those of us who receive God's abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. Some of us need to get used to that. So let's say it. I reign in life. I have received, let's say it, I have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so I reign in life. Let's be a little bit more explicit. I am a king in life. That's what the Bible says. You reign in life through Jesus Christ. So, of course, in life, we are going to face all kinds of situations, all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of things. But whatever you face, face it like a king. Face it like somebody who has received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that you will face it and knowing that you are going to overcome it. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be happy. How can you be happy when you're facing all this tribulation? 
He said, in the world, you'll have problems. In the world, you'll have distresses. In the world, you'll have tribulations. But be happy. Why? I've overcome them. He has overcome them. And if He has overcome, His victory is your victory. Do you know that your situation has already been overcome? By the Lord Jesus. And He turned around and gave that victory to you. So He said, be happy. Tell your neighbor, be happy. Be of good cheer. That's the old English way. Be of good cheer. Because Jesus has overcome whatever you are facing. He has conquered it. He has defeated it. He's paved the way for you to reign over it. Now you and, I, you and I have a choice. You either believe it or you don't believe it. You can choose to be an unbelieving believer, but I choose to be a believing believer. Amen? I choose to believe that the Lord Jesus has conquered the circumstance, has conquered the situation. He's given me abundance of grace and He's given me His gift of righteousness so that I can reign in life. And He's done the same for you and me, for you, so that you can reign in life. So, in the world, you will face stuff, but face it like a king. Face it like somebody who is going to reign in life. Everything Adam put us under, Jesus set us over. Let's say this together. Everything Adam put us under, Jesus set us over. Let's say it again. Everything Adam put us under, Jesus set us over. So you can look at it from Adam's glasses or you can look at it from Jesus' point of view. In Jesus, you reign in life. He has, he has conquered them for you. And He's put you and me in a place of dominion through His servanthood. Last two points. Number 11. We are raised and seated in heaven through His descending into hell. So again, all of these things are the consequences of sin. The ultimate result of sin is death, which is separation from God in hell. All of us, without Jesus, are headed there because of our sin. Hell is a place where we are separated forever from the presence of God. That's where we are headed. And the Bible tells us that Jesus descended into Hades, Hades was a compartment of hell. So hell, in the Bible, you understand they had two, well, had two compartments. I don't want to get into all that. You attend the Bible college. No. <laughs> there are two compartments. One was called Hades or Abraham's bosom. The other was fire. But it was all hell. And Jesus descended into Hades. Peter, in his inaugural sermon in Acts chapter 2, mentions this. He says... He, referencing David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resur resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, that's hell, nor did his flesh see corruption, that is, his body didn't decay. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So what Peter is saying is Jesus descended into Hades. Can you imagine the one who always lived in heaven, spent time in hell? Try to imagine that. The one who lived in heaven actually spent time in hell. He descended into Hades, where you and I were supposed to go. But he never stayed there. He rose up. He said, I've conquered Hades and the grave. I've conquered hell and the grave. I have the keys of hell and the grave. And he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says, when he ascended, he took you and me with him. Ephesians 2. 
verses 4 through 6, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he quickened us together with Christ and has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are you seated? In heaven. You and I, the ones who deserved hell, Jesus went right there for you and me. The King of glory, the God of heaven, would descend into hell just for you and say, I will take your place in hell so that I can bring you up to heaven and make you sit at my Father's right hand. That's where you are seated. And don't ever disqualify. Don't ever discredit or don't ever diminish this amazing work that He's done for you and me. Acknowledge it. Receive it with gratitude. Let's say together, I am seated at the Father's right hand in Christ Jesus. That's where you are seated. That's your place. Because Jesus descended into hell for you and me so that He could take us up into heaven and say, come sit with me at my Father's right hand. So while you and I are living in this physical body, your spirit is seated in heaven and you are living from the spirit into the natural. The spirit world recognizes who you are. Demons know who you are. The question is, do you know who you are? Do you know that you are seated in heaven's throne? Do you know that the devil is afraid of you? Do you know that demons must listen to you? Because when you speak, you're not just speaking from earth. You are speaking from the Father's right hand. That's the authority that's vested in you. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he turned around to the church and said, I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the authority. It's yours. Amen? The last one, point number 12. We, we have been made rich through His poverty. In the Garden of Eden, once again, before sin came into this world, everything was perfect. There was abundance. And God had placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and He told them, go to work. So work was there before the fall. So work is not a bad thing because it was designed by God before the fall. He told them, you know, take care of the garden. Tend the garden. Cultivate it. So I'm sure he meant, you know, expand the garden. Subdue the garden. Uh, subdue the earth. Fill the earth. So work was there and work was fun. They would enjoy the work of their hands. And it was bountiful. It was prosperous. There was abundance. There was no poverty, no lack. Uh, none of that. But when sin came into this world, one of the first things that happened, the ground was cursed. The ground was cursed. And so what was meant to be a joy now became a curse. And by the sweat of his brow and by hard labor and toil, they had to work and see results. Poverty, lack and want came into existence after the fall. So poverty is not from God. Just like sickness is not from God. So if you're working to eradicate poverty, you're doing a God thing. You're not fighting God. You're doing what God wants done. Helping them out of poverty. So, when we go back to this verse in, with, with which we began this two-part sermon series in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where the Apostle Paul writes, he says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, so that we through His poverty might, might be made rich. Now, if we follow strict hermeneutics, which is the correct way to interpret Scripture, we understand that we always have to interpret Scripture in its context. 
These past 11 points, we've been taking a 20,000 feet view of him becoming poor and we becoming rich. But now if we zoom in to the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapters 8 and 9, the context there is money. Money is in the Bible. Good morning. <laughs> the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is about money. The Apostle Paul is writing about money. He's trying to encourage believers to give money to help other people who are in need. And in the context of talking about money, he gives us this verse. You know, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, context, money. He became poor, context, money. That you through his poverty, context, money, might be made rich, context, money. I'm purposely emphasizing that because that's the context. He's talking about money. Which means that what Paul is saying is he stepped into our lack of a poverty which was the result of sin so that he can bring us out of it. And in the very next chapter, in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, he makes this powerful statement to us believers. He says, you know, you trust God with your money because God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things will abound to every good work. Context, money. What do you say? God's grace will be so on your life that you'll have all, you will always have all the money you need to do everything God has called you and to be a big blessing. That's what he's saying. He's talking about money. Though he was rich, he stepped into our poverty so that we through his poverty can be made rich. Amen? So, the cross, the divine exchange, affects our place of work. Your place of work was dealt with on the cross. Just as we've been saying, our bodies have been dealt with, our minds have been dealt with, sin has been dealt with, lots of other things. But I want you to understand your place of work was also touched by the cross. Because that was one of the first things that was affected through the fall. Everything that came in through the fall, Jesus dealt with on the cross. So for you as a believer, your workplace is blessed. Now whether you go to a workplace or not, whether your workplace is your school or your classroom or your kitchen or a corporate office, whatever it is, let's say this together. My workplace is blessed. Amen. Through the cross. He redeemed that curse that came on the ground, which came through the fall. Your workplace is blessed. So when you go to your workplace, when you talk about your workplace, declare it blessed. My workplace is blessed. My workplace is a means for God to make all grace abound toward me. Is one of the means by which God will make all grace abound toward me. That I, having all sufficiency in all things, will abound to every good work. Workplace, hear the word of God. Speak to your workplace. Declare it blessed. Declare that God is causing abundance to flow into your life through your work as God originally designed it. Are you listening? Do you believe it or not? It's like, Pastor, I'll get to heaven then believe it. <laughs> it's here for us here and now. Everything that came upon us because of the fall, Jesus Christ dealt with on the cross. If the ground was cursed because of the fall, today your ground is blessed because of the cross. If poverty and lack came in because of the fall, then that's reversed and abundance and blessing is released on your life because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And you can believe it. And like the Apostle Paul, you can say, God is making all grace abound toward me that I, having all sufficiency in all things, will abound to every good work. That's the position God wants you to be in. 
and he will bring you into it. Amen. Now, the last thing I want to impress on our, heart, our lives is this. That the work is finished. When the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross, having done everything the Father wanted him to do, his final words in John 19, verse 30, he said, It is finished. Tetelestai, the Greek. It is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It was a shout of victory. It was announcing that everything the Father wanted done was done. The work is completed. And when you look at this Greek word, tetelestai, and how it was used in different contexts, it is so rich. When it, is, when it was used in a work-related context, it simply means the work has been completed. It's perfectly completed. It's completely complete. Nothing more to do as far as that assignment is concerned. It's done. When Tetlis Tai was used in a legal context, it means the case is done. The debt is paid. Nothing more owed. It's over. Case is closed. Tetlis Tai used in a military context when the, the captain of the army shouted, Tetlis Tai, it means the battle is over, the victory is won, we have triumphed. Tetlis Tai, it is finished. The work is completed, your debt is paid, the victory is won. Nothing more, nothing more. It's a finished work. All you and I can do is to receive by faith. Hebrews 10, 14. The writer of Hebrews says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected. His work is complete. It is done. All we say is thank you, Lord. But today, we have to believe. Believe it. Let this not be a theory. Let it not just be a sermon you heard but let it be personal and say, it's for me. Everything, all of these 12 things are for me. I am going to walk in it. It's for me. I'm going to believe it. And by faith, I'm stepping into it. And no man, no devil is going to keep me from it. Amen? Worship team, thank you. Quickly review these seven points. See, they're sending me off stage. <laughs> too much, too long a sermon. No. Number seven, we are healed through his stripes. Number eight, we are made whole through his punishment. Number nine, we have glory through him being put to shame. Number ten, there is dominion through his servanthood. Number eleven, we are raised and seated in heaven through his descending into hell. Number 12, they've been made rich through his poverty.
The divine exchange took place on the cross. The cross was one moment in time when God swapped places with man and took everything we deserved so that we could receive everything we do not deserve. He was obedient. We were disobedient. He was sinless. We were sinful. He was faithful. We were unfaithful. He was the beloved. We were the condemned. He swapped places with us. He took our place. He stepped into where we were so that he could take us to where he was. For our eternal death, he gave us eternal life. For our guilt, he gave us forgiveness. For our sin, he gave us righteousness. For our cursing, he gave us blessing. For our judgment, he gave us favor. For our rejection, he gave us adoption. For our sickness, he gave us healing. For our brokenness, he gave us wholeness. For our shame, he gave us glory. For our oppression, he gave us dominion. For our slavery, he gave us kingship. For our hell, he gave us heaven. For our poverty, he gave us rich provision. This is the great exchange orchestrated by God. This is the divine exchange. Everything Adam put us under, Jesus set us over. Everything Adam lost, Jesus regained and restored to us and much more. We did nothing to earn this. We did nothing to deserve this. This is all grace. This is all mercy. All we can do is freely receive by grace through faith. Given because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Can we all just rise to our feet? I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again.
is to pray. First of all, the most important thing is for us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here, maybe a friend invited you and, and uh, maybe you've been to church before, but perhaps you've never made a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. Maybe there are people watching us online. If you've never made a decision in your life to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible makes a very plain statement. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe. It's a decision you make. Nobody can force you to do it. Nobody can stop you from doing it. It's your personal decision. But if you make that decision, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be brought into the family of God and everything Jesus provided for through this divine exchange will be yours. So if there's anyone here you've never in your life up until this point, you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus, I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And if you feel prompted in your heart to do that, please join with me and pray this prayer as an expression of your decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is your personal decision. Nobody is forcing you to do it. Nobody can stop you from doing it. Let's pray. If you've never done this before, this is your moment to make a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came from heaven, who stepped into your place, who completed the work on the cross, who rose up again, who ascended into heaven, who is alive today. He's waiting to listen to your prayer. If you've never done this before, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose up again and you're alive today. I make my decision to believe in you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Bible tells us there is great rejoicing in heaven. Even over one person who makes this decision to turn to God. Is there anyone here, you've made that decision just this moment as you, pray, as you prayed with me. We want to celebrate with you. We'd love to see, see your hands. So if you've done this, if you prayed this prayer for the first time in your life, we'd love to see your hand. Could you raise your hand? Just wave it at me. Anybody? I see one hand there. God bless you. Anybody else? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Want to see your hand? Just wave it at me until I see it. Anybody else? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. God bless you. God bless you. There is great rejoicing in heaven and over, over what you've done. If anyone else, you prayed this prayer with me. Um, our ushers have a bag. We call it the New Believers Bag. Please make sure you collect it from them. There's a card that's it's a decision card. Please put your name and number. So we'll call you and we can tell you how to use the resources that are in that bag. So if you pray the prayer this morning for with, with me for the first time, please make sure you do that before you leave. Now, as we always emphasize, Jesus Christ finished the work on the cross, but we need to take it by faith. Say, Lord, I receive it. And I'm going to pray a prayer from here and pray over various areas of our lives, whether it's healing, physically, emotionally, and uh, 
you know, I might, I, I would, you know, rebuke unclean spirits. That's the way you get rid of them. You don't say, please leave. You say, get out. <laughs> so, oh, you, you know, then if, I, if you hear me shouting, I'm not shouting at you. <laughs> we, we, we speak firmly to the devil, to demons or evil spirits. Because sometimes people are troubled, afflicted, tormented by evil spirits. And so we need to command them to leave, cast them out. Right, so I'm going to pray. And I might do that from time to time when I pray. So, uh, and expect release. Expect things to happen in your life. We'll pray over the workplace. We'll pray over the job. We'll pray over the family. We'll pray over various situations. Remember, everything is under the cross. Because everything Adam put us under, Jesus set us over. Amen. Nothing has remained untouched. So as we take these next few moments to pray, believe that God will do it. God is there right next to you. The Lord Jesus is right there next to you. And as we pray, come into agreement saying, God, I received this. This was provided for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. Today, through our praying together, we are receiving it. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, even as I stand here and pray for the people, God, and I speak over them, for those who are right here and those who are listening, Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that touches every life, that brings healing, that brings deliverance, Father God. Your word, your powerful word has been released. And thank you, Father in heaven, that you are watching over your word to perform it. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against every sickness, every disease, every spirit of infirmity. And I command every spirit of infirmity to leave. I command healing to take place in the bodies and minds of God's people. That which was provided for us on the cross, today we declare it, we speak it into the lives of people. That people will be healed from every sickness, every disease, every ailment, every pain, every condition in their bodies. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you just say, Lord, I receive this. I receive healing for my body. And if it's a particular condition, say, Lord, I receive healing for that condition. It was born on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. Lord, I receive it. Healing for my arthritis, healing for the arthritis. I receive it. Healing for every other pain in the joint. I receive it. I receive healing. Let pain leave. Let arthritis leave in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we speak against growths and tumors and command them to disappear in the name of Jesus. We command healing to the bones that were injured and damaged. Let there be healing in the name of Jesus. Let chronic conditions be healed supernaturally right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we take authority over spirits that are causing sickness and disease, spirits that are affecting the mind, causing fear, torment, anxiety. We command your unclean spirits to leave in the name of Jesus. I come against spirits uh, of addictions, spirits of pornography, spirits of uncleanness, spirits of adultery, spirits of all manner of immorality. I command you in the name of Jesus, leave. Release the people of God out in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave from their bodies and their minds. I rebuke you, command you, cast you out in the name of Jesus. Let God's people be free. Let them be free from every oppression, from every torment, from every bondage, from every addiction. Be free in the name of Jesus. Spirits that are causing addictive behaviors to alcohol, to drugs, to other addictive behaviors. Leave now in the name of Jesus. Let God's people be free in their bodies and minds. Let God's people be free in their bodies and minds in Jesus' name. And we come against every demonic power that troubles people in their places of work. It affects their, the results of their work, the results of what they're doing. We stop demons of poverty, of lack, of, of insufficiency, demons that hinder us in the workplaces. I command you leave in the name of Jesus. I declare the blessing and the power of the cross over God's people and over them in their places of work. But they will thrive, they will flourish, they will prosper. They will see the bountiful abundance of God overtake them in their places of work. That God makes all grace abound towards them in their places of work. That God makes all grace overflow so that they're always having 
all sufficiency in all things will abound to every good work. I call increase, I call abundance over them in their places of work by the power of Jesus Christ and His cross. So be it. We take authority over families, homes, we speak peace, we speak righteousness. And we speak joy in the homes and the families of God's people. We bind up and cast out every spirit that's causing disturbances in the homes and in the marriages of people. We declare marriages are blessed by the power of the cross. Homes are blessed by the power of the cross. Our children are godly offspring. Our children are set apart for God. Our children will be mighty on the earth. That our sons and daughters will be men and women of great influence, great impact, of great wealth, of great success, of great accomplishments, because God has spoken and He has said that our children will be mighty on the earth, that they are for signs and for wonders from the Lord of hosts among the nations. So we declare our homes blessed, our children's blessed, our families blessed. And Father, let everything turn around in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Believe it. Receive it, Father. Receive it. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the change. We thank you for the turnaround. And we bless you, God. We bless you, Jesus. I just want to pray for one last thing. I don't know if it's somebody right here. You know, but this is what I saw. I saw a, a, a young boy walking on a wall, and he fell down. He fell and hit his back, uh, hit himself on the back of his head. So, is there anyone here? Who, you know, maybe it happened in your family or someone you know. I just want to declare life for that that young boy who fell and hurt himself on the back of his head. Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand. I don't know if it's somebody here, but I want to pray. Is there anyone here? You say hey, that happened, or to me in my house, my family, somebody I know. Just raise your hand. Anyone? If there's nobody here, I'm not going to pray. But if there's somebody here, it's going to pray. Anyone identifies with that? Okay, I don't see any hand. That's all right. But if it has happened in your family, your home, in your extended family, just come meet with me. I want to speak life over that boy who fell and hurt himself at the back of his head. I just want to declare that he will live and we speak life and complete restoration for his injury in the back of his head. And may the Lord restore him completely. Amen. Amen. We're going to close right now. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, the power of your spirit. God of heaven, thank you for the work you're doing in the lives of your people. And may we go forth and be a blessing, God. Because every good thing you give us is not for ourselves is to touch lives around. Father, we pray that we will touch people in our city and everywhere else you take us. May we bring hundreds of thousands of people out of darkness into your marvelous light. No man, no devil can stop that from happening. Use each of us to do that, Lord. To bring people out of darkness into your marvelous light. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.